Welcome. You're listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell, where we try to bring you information that's useful, that's practical, that's down to earth, and can be very helpful to you in securing your own legacy and then passing it down to the next generation as you wish. Each week, this program is brought to you by my law office. It's called Wills and Trust LLC, where the only kind of law we do is to prepare wills, trusts, power of attorneys, advanced medical directives. We assist people in administering estates and in administering trusts. So give us a call at 240-638-2828 if you or someone you know needs help in having a will done, reviewing a will, or perhaps having a trust prepared and all of the associated estate documents. That's all we do, and we like doing it. We help a lot of people. We help the next generation with these documents and with clarifying and assisting you. Uh, Today I'm going to talk about what happens when someone dies with a will and what happens when someone dies without a will. You hear me talk about this a lot because it is one of the biggest, I used to live in the Caribbean, keepbacks is a term that's used when something happens that keep back or keeps your family back or hurts someone, uh, prevents them from being able to fully benefit uh, from a situation. And I see so many people particularly here in the the metropolitan area of Washington, D.C., who are being kept back, who are unable to, you know, benefit from the huge increase in value of properties here in this area and around the country, because people do call me from other places, um, because they or their families did not do a will. They did not make sure that the deeds were properly done. They did not do the kinds of, or they did not go to an estate planning lawyer to get their documents done properly, who thought they could do it themselves, who thought they could copy things or get it online. And they find that after somebody dies, it's really hard to fix it. And a lot of times we can't fix it. So, Give me a call here while I'm on the air at 1-800-450-7876, 1-800-450-7876, and I'll be glad to try and answer your questions as best I can. There are no dumb questions, so please do not hesitate to call if you have a question. Now, today, I'm going to leave early. I'm going to stop the program at 930 uh, because I will be appearing on a really good program with the Reston Links. The Links Incorporated is a uh, organization of women that do a lot of good in the community and they present different information um, to the public. Uh, If you'd like to, you can find them. They have a YouTube channel. It's going to be live from 1015 until one o'clock today. They are presenting three panels um, from 10.15 to, I think it's 11.30. Um, I'll be on the panel. It's called Keeping 
it all in the family, keeping it all in the family. And I and attorney Amy Griffin will be giving information live. You can see me on the screen if you'd like uh, about uh, estate planning, about wills, trust, estate planning. And attorney Griffin is going to be talking about business and business succession planning. So go to the rest and links YouTube channel. Uh, I understand they also have a Facebook page where it's going to be live as well. And they will be taking questions on their chats. There's uh, other panels. One's called Pivot with a Purpose. And that's going to be talking about uh, people who are entrepreneurs. Uh, they'll have people who are actually entrepreneurs who've left J-O-B jobs and opened their own companies. So that's available. Another one of the panels is called Closing the Wealth Gap in Our Communities and Businesses. And then from 1140, I think it is, to 1 o'clock, there's going to be a large panel about wellness wisdom panel, and that's going to be on health care. So please do take advantage of this. This is all free. You can go to the Reston's Links um, uh, channel on YouTube or and or you can also watch it on Facebook. I'm going to be, like I said, I'm going to be leaving the program today at, at 930 so that I can participate in that. Law is really powerful. It can help you or it can hurt you. It impacts everything that you do. What you don't know can hurt you and what you do know can empower you. So each week we try to empower you by bringing you this program and being available to answer your questions. Don't just listen, do. You've got to use this information. So if you're in the Washington, D.C. area, Washington, Northern Virginia, or Maryland, give us a call at 240-638-2828. That's 240-638-2828. A lot of people tell me they've been listening for years and they're really happy that they finally called and got this done. So call, get it done, and then it's done. Okay, you can always change these documents, but if you don't do them, it really makes a big difference. Okay, makes a big difference for those you love, those you leave behind. So let give us a call, and we'll be glad to get this done for you. Each week, I also tell you to go and vote. Make sure you vote. Make sure your children vote. Make sure you express your opinions and use the power of the vote. It really is significant. This is a midterm election. It's extremely important. If uh, we do not keep our uh, positions of power in the uh, House of Representatives and in the uh, Senate, we'll see the country go backwards. And we know that. We can see it already. It's already close. And so make sure that you express and use the power of vote. You also have the ability to write the members of Congress and express your views, your opinions about what they're doing. Many people watch the confirmation hearings of uh, the young lady who may become the first black Supreme Court justice. Many people had opinions about how she was treated and the kinds of questions that were asked and the manner in which they were asked. 
you have a right to express your opinions to your publicly elected officials. And I would urge you to do that in a respectful way, of course. Certainly not in any way that would be threatening or anything like that. But don't hesitate to be a concerned and involved participant in your government. You pay a lot of taxes. All of us do. So take advantage of it and use that power. Today, while I'm on the air, I'm going to be talking to you and giving you examples of what happens when someone dies with a will and what happens when someone dies without a will. I see it every day. It makes such a difference. And I want you to imagine, because this is what's happening, I want to give an example of when someone dies or has already died in, a, in, in the 1990s like 20 years ago or 30 years ago, and they died with a will. They got that case, cases, I should say. And then I want to give you an example of what happened. The same age person, same situation, and they died at the same time, and they had no will. Okay. Big, 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 big difference. All right. Big, 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 big difference. So let's say Mr. Robert Jones had four children. He lived in the early 1900s. I mean, in the, you know, died in the 1980s. You can even go back that far. And he had a will, though. He had a will. He had gone to a lawyer and he had a will. Because a lot of people did. A lot of people in those days did. And they, they, he went to a lawyer. The lawyer prepared a will for him. He had four children. Mr. Robert Jones's will said, if I die before my wife, my wife gets my property. If my wife dies before me, my four children get my property. And he names them, okay? The will is properly prepared by an attorney. It is properly witnessed and attested. That's important. You hear me talk about that, where the witnesses say in the terms of the will that they were together, they saw the person sign it, they saw the person, um, they signed it in front of each other, and they were, uh, the person was over 18, they knew what they were doing, and they asked them to sign as the witnesses. That's called the attestation clause. And because it was done by a lawyer that knew what they were doing, the will was properly executed and prepared. Mr. Robert Jones told his children, who were still young at that point, you know, he had named which one of them would be the personal representative, the executor of his will. And that person, uh, or one of them, was given the original will. So... Fast forward, Mr. Robert Jones died in the 1990s. So he had done his will in the 80s, died in the 1990s. And even so, let's say, because it's not uncommon, that he done his will in the 80s, died in the 1990s. And even so, let's say, because it's not uncommon, the children still didn't do anything with the will until the year 2000, 2010. And they realized that the house that they all live in 
maybe one or two has moved out, but that house in Washington, D.C., or in Virginia, or in Maryland, is still in the name of Mr. Robert Jones, Mr. Robert Jones and say Miss Gladys Jones. The deed to that house is still in their parents' name. And somebody asked me about that. The deed is your evidence of title. The deed is the document that shows the title, the ownership of the property. And the ownership of the property should be a public record. Please do not hold back recording your deeds. It's important that your deeds be a part of the public record so that somebody else can't come up, do a deed, and sell it out from under you. You want to make sure that your deed is a part of the public record. That's why I say to everyone, get a copy of your deed. You don't have to have the original. You have to have the original to record it. But even if you don't have the original, don't worry about that. It is, you can go to the Recorder of Deeds office, you can call them, you can download them nowadays, okay? And if you're trying to do something with the deed, you can arrange to have the deed certified as a recorded record in the office of the land records or circuit court, where whatever the, the office is, it's almost always related to the court system in whatever county you live in. So deeds are public records that are recorded in the county where the property is geographically located. So if you don't have a copy of your deed or your mother's deed, or your father's deed, grandparents' deed, whatever it is, go to the, the um, place in the county, call them up, look them up online, give them the address, um, and they will give you a copy of your deed. Okay, it might be $5, $10, something like that, but it is a public record. When you have a copy of your deed and you have the will, the last will and testament of the person whose name is on the deed, you can then go to a lawyer or come to our office and bring us a copy of the will. And if you have a copy of the deed, bring us a copy of the deed. Now, in Washington, D.C., in Maryland, we are able to go online and get the actual deeds. So we can go online, we can look them up in Washington, D.C., and Maryland from the address or from the square and lot number in Washington, D.C. We look it up, we download it. In D.C., you have to pay $5.50 for the deed, but we can download it. So even if you don't have the deed, come to us anyway, and we can do that. In Virginia, we're not able to do that without paying a ton of money for a whole year subscription. So in Virginia, I ask my clients, either send us a copy of your deed or go to the county and get a copy of the deed and then send it to us. If you have the last will and testament of the person whose name is on the deed, then we are able to file. Now, one thing that's important, you need to have the original will of the person who died. 
okay, the original will, when it comes to filing in court, you need the original will. I have been successful in filing a copy of a will, but it's difficult, it's time-consuming, it can be done, but it's a lot of extra work. So make sure when you have your will, when you have your will done, that you keep the original will where the executor can go and get it. Whoever you've named as your executor or your personal representative, make sure they know where it is and they have it. Whether they personally have it or maybe somebody else, you know, you know your family. Some people in the family are better at keeping things than others. So whoever it is, make sure that's a very, very important document. Make sure they know where it is. It does not have to be in a safety deposit box, okay? If it is in a safety deposit box, however, it is even more important that the person who is responsible, whether it is to be the executor in the will or to be responsible to retrieving the will, it is extremely important that that person's name is on the box. They know exactly where that safety deposit box is. Don't just say Bank of America, SunTrust, you know, PNC. You've got to tell them the physical location of the bank. And then you've got to give them a key or tell them where the key to that box is and make sure their name is on that box. <clears throat> it would be wise to have, give them <clears throat> a written, you know, receipt, copy of a receipt from the bank that shows the box, the location, the box number, the location, and that their name is on the box. Otherwise, before we can even get to the will after your death, we've got to go into court. If we're lucky enough to know where the box is, ask the court for a specific court order ordering the bank to allow us to drill, get the box, drill it, and uh, make an inventory of the contents of the box. And it used to be that we could only do that in the presence of a clerk from the court. So not only were there legal fees involved in applying to the court for that, the clerk of the, we had to arrange it when the clerk of the court could come, when the locksmith could come to drill the box, when the bank was available to allow us to do that. So it was a lot of trouble. It really was a lot of time, a lot of extra expense. So if you have a will, I tell my clients, don't put them in a safety deposit box, okay? But if, if you do, or if your parents have, then make sure you put somebody else's name on the box. Make sure they have a key or they know where the key is. And make sure they have proof that that's what you've done. And give them a copy of it. It's Otherwise, the bank or nobody else is going to believe you, and you got to go to court. Anyway, with a will, with the original will, we are able to file that will in court. We still have to have the names, the addresses of the children or the heirs, the next of kin. We file the will in court. Maryland ignores the fact that you said there shall be no bond. So it's important that the person that you name have decent credit 
because Maryland's going to insist that they post a bond. That I'm trying to get around that, but they just don't do it. They insist on that. So that not a lot you can do with that. In D.C. and in, and in Virginia, if the will says there's no bond, you don't have to post a bond, or it's actually not. It really is nominal. It's not something where they have to pull a credit report. Okay. But when you name in your will who's to be in charge and who's to get whatever, we can file that will in court. That person will be appointed by the, personal, by the court as the personal representative, and they take control of your property. Now, when you don't have a will, it's an entirely different process, entirely different process. You are listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I'm your host, Attorney Ethel Mitchell. Give me a call. I'm only going to be on the air today until 930. So if you have any questions, you've been thinking about having questions and you wanted to call me, please call now, 1-800-450-7876. 1-800-450-7876. And if you would like us to work with you to get your wills done, Call us at my office, Wills and Trust LLC. That number is 240-638-2828. 240-638-2828. Now, in my example, Mr. Robert Jones owned a property, a home in Washington, D.C. It could be in Maryland. It could be in Virginia. If he has a will, the process I just described is what would be done. If that same man, just to be make a distinction, let's say Mr. David Jones, Mr. David Smith, owned the same property, Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, Mississippi, Texas, North Carolina, had the same four children, but he had no will. He had no will. So now we're dealing with what happens. Same property, Mr. David Jones dies in, what did I say when Mr. Robert Jones died? In the 80s, okay, or in the, in the 90s. Doesn't, doesn't matter a whole lot. Uh, but once you die in a long time, and nobody has done anything with the property in terms of going to court. The court also, and I forgot to say this with the with the wills in D.C., they're going to make it supervised. They're going to insist that everything you do be reported to the court, and the auditor has to deal with it. The auditor has to approve it. But I'm kind of flipping a little bit because there is a will, because you know where all the children are and they're all adults the children in dc can sign a waiver saying there does not need to be inventories and accounts and if all of each of the children who are adults now sign such a waiver and it is filed in the court that automatic that that moves the the proceedings from a supervised to an unsupervised proceeding. And so in that case, because there is a will, because everybody's in agreement, 
uh, it becomes an unsupervised administration and you can move forward without having to go through auditing. I've been talking today about what happens, the difference between when you die with a will and when you die without a will. At the first part of the program, I gave the example of Mr. Robert Jones, who did a will back in the 1980s. He died in the 1990s, he owned a property in Washington, D.C., or it could have been in Maryland, anywhere in the country. And so he did a will, and he said, if I die before my wife, my wife gets the property. If I die after my wife, my children get the property. And he names them. It was a properly done will by a lawyer. It had all the attestation, the right language, it was properly executed, and the children had the will. Children's all adults now. We were able to go into court. We were able to get the person he named appointed as personal representative. We still did the publication uh, of the notice of his appointment. We waited for the six-month period to be up when nobody filed any claims or we dealt with whatever claims there were. The children were able to sign a waiver and consent. This is in D.C. to transfer it from a supervised to an unsupervised administration. And we were able to do a deed put the property in the name of the children as per the last will and testament, record the deed, and it's done. They can do what they want to with the property. Exact same fact pattern. If that man had not had a will, and he dies. And let's keep it simple. His wife had already died before him. Because in <clears throat> when both names are on the deed, they were married when they bought it, the deed says tenants by the entirety. When one dies, the other one owns all of it. And so they have control over the disposition of that property. It's like Mr. Robert Jones did. But Mr. David Smith, same situation. It could even be the same house, same four children. Wife died, has no will. But the deed said when the wife died, it became his completely. And then he dies, no will. Let's say he died in the 1990s or 1980s as well. And now his children are adults, but they've got a house that's in the name of a dead person, and there's no will. Same pattern. Come to the lawyer's office. Now we have to file. We still have to file in court with probating it. But now we have to get the four children to agree on who is going to be the personal representative or the executor. If there is fighting and bickering among the children, or if there is a child that they can't find, if there's any kind of problem with getting everybody to sign, we got to go all around the mulberry bush to get everybody to sign a consent that says, I have an equal right to be appointed as personal representative, but I agree that my brother, my sister, whoever it is, should be the personal representative. If we cannot agree on that and we cannot get everybody to sign, then when we file the petition in court, the judge is going to say, actually it's the clerk at the very beginning, 
in in D.C. It's a lawyer in Maryland. It's a personal represent. I mean, a, a clerk, and they're going to look at that and say, "Wait a minute, uh, one of the children has not filed a consent." And so, before we can appoint the person that the three have agreed on, the 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 um, person that's agreed on has got to post a bond for the value of the interest of that other person, that that child, that sibling, times, I think it's one point one hundred and ten percent of the value of that interest in the property. Or the other person could be very obstinate or disagreeing, and they can file a case that says they, they have equal rights, and so they can rush to court. I had that happen in another case that came up this just this week. One person wanted to be the personal representative, and another one wanted to be the personal representative. And and one was a little slower than the other one. And I was like, wait a minute, this person died in 1983 or whenever it was. Let me look and see if somebody else had filed. And sure enough, when I went to the docket of the court, I found that. One of the other siblings, one of the sisters, had already filed a case in court, had already filed to become the personal representative, and had actually been appointed as personal representative. And this brother, who knew nothing about it, had never been notified, didn't know what was going on. And I was like, look, this is going to be litigation. And so I sent them to a lawyer that does litigation. So you see right there the difference between having a will and not having a will, just getting in front of the court as being the personal representative has cost both of them two different lawyers who are going to be fighting about it, all right, because their parents did not have a will. With a will, the person that owns the property says who is in charge. So right there, that's one of the biggest differences. Secondly, a properly drawn up will will say there shall be no bond. If there is no bond, if there is no will, then the person who is trying to become the personal representative, this is at the beginning. Nobody's able to take control of the property. Nobody's able to uh, sell it. Nobody's able to do anything except Somebody better be paying the property taxes so you don't lose it. Somebody had better be paying the insurance. So if there is a fire or there's problems with the house, you've got some insurance on it. Nobody is, has the power to go and, and evict a, 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 a squatter. Okay. Nobody can put one of the, even one of the children out. It's not uncommon for one of the children to be living in the house for 10, 15 years, don't pay a dime, and refuse to leave. There's no will, nobody's in charge, okay? So you also have to have a person nominated, even if everybody agrees, who has good credit. Because now we got to get a bond. Now we got to go to the insurance company. And the insurance company, especially these days, are asking, have you ever been sued? Has there ever been a lien? Have you ever filed bankruptcy? All these questions that a lot of people can't answer or the answers will make them ineligible to get a bond, and therefore they can't be appointed. I once had a, a lady 
who was the main person that should have been the personal representative. But she was in a profession where she did hair, she did cakes, she did cooking for people. She did a lot of different kinds of all legal jobs. She was a hard worker. She was able to make a living, you know, enough to stay in the house, uh, even though she wasn't able, she couldn't be appointed as personal representative because she didn't show her income. And the bond said, the bond and company found some little dings on her credit, and they refused to give her a bond. And so what happened? A lawyer from the panel on the court was appointed, took total control over the property, named, uh, pay, had to get paid out of the proceeds of the sale because they were going to have to sell, posted a bond, still had to have a bond, which was over $1,000, okay, just there, um, that had to come from the same lady, all right? And the total control over the house was given to somebody else total control over the house. And she just, you know, eventually I think they sold it and she got some money from it because it had to be shared with somebody else. But not having a will made all the difference in the world. I want to finish the, the description of what happens with a will and without a will because what I'm trying to encourage you to do is to encourage your parents, your grandparents, your aunts, your uncles, and yourself to do a will, to get a last will and testament done. In our example, with the last will and testament that I talked about from 8.30 to 9, we were able to submit that will to court. It said who would be the personal representative. That person was appointed. We uh, did the publication. We took care. There were no claims in that particular case, but if there were, we, that person would have been able to pay them or dispute them, whatever needed to be done. And then we were able to close it out by doing a personal representative's deed that distributed the property as the father in that case, Mr. Robert Jones, had directed, at which point each of the children would own the share of the home that their parent wanted. In the case where there is no will, same scenario, same $600, $400, $500, $300, dollars house, same property, same situation, same uh, uh, fact that pattern without a will, each of the children would have to sign a consent and waive. They would have to agree on who would be the personal representative. Then you'd have to get signatures of each of those persons on a consent and agreement, and in some cases, an actual renunciation of their right to be the personal representative because they have a right to do that. They have to renounce that in favor of one of the persons. If they can't agree, you've got to fight right there, and they can lose control of the property right there. Don't mean that they lose their rights. It just means that somebody else is in charge, usually a lawyer who's going to charge them additional money from a panel that's appointed by the court. Even if they're able to agree, if a person has died some time ago, the court in D.C. at least will make it supervised. The court in Maryland almost always has it supervised anyway.
with or without a will. It's just easier with a will. After the publication, you have to do the same thing, take care of any claims. But in this case, you would have to file in court a list of everything that was received, everything that was paid out, uh, what all the expenses are, and the auditor in the courts would have to approve it. They may even not allow you to sell it, if that's what your intention is, until they have completed their audit. It's You're completely at the mercy of the court and the audit system when you die without a will, and there's been some time between when the person died and you finally file in court. Not only does that cost more money, more delay, it's open to all kinds of disputes and and disagreements and so forth, but it's just an entirely different process with a lot of pitfalls. People run to the court. They they like this week we discovered one of the brothers of a lady who uh, did had filed in court and hadn't even given her notice. Hadn't even given her notice because the person died without a will. Don't think that just because you have a transfer on death deed, you don't need to have a will. You still need to have a will to make sure what you want happens. Don't think because you've put the beneficiary designations on your bank accounts, that's all you have to do. Invariably, there's an estate, there's an asset of some kind that you did not take care of the transfer. And it forces your family into court where all these other problems can occur and often do occur. So please, if you're listening to me, get a last will and testament done by an estate planning lawyer, and then you don't have to worry about it. You know, make sure it's done. It's done properly. It's completely executed. It's not enough to just write a letter, tell somebody what you want, even the lawyer. The lawyer cannot do anything if you die before that will is signed by you. If you die before that will is signed and witnessed properly, we're back in the circumstance of it's the same thing as if you didn't have a will. If you die with a will that is not properly executed, is not properly signed, and we can't get it admitted into the court if the court will not accept it because it is deficient in some way, then it is exactly the same as dying without a will. So please have your lawyer do your last will and testament. Have it signed and executed by uh, at the lawyer's office, preferably with you and your witnesses. Put their addresses down. Okay, so if there is a question, they can be reached. And many people nowadays are saying, Ethel, you should put their email addresses and their phone numbers. I haven't done it yet, but I usually will keep that information. Um, I'm not sure I want to do it on a will, but certainly you need to be able to get in touch with the, the witnesses if that becomes a problem, and particularly if you're trying to do it yourself, which I do not recommend. We're struggling right now trying to get a will admitted to court, and we can only find one of the witnesses. We need two, and we're having trouble finding that second one. So 
give us a call at 240-638-2828, 240-638-2828. You need a will, a power of attorney, and an advanced medical directive. I will not do one without the other. I will review if you say you have one. I'll look at it. If it's fine, that's fine. If it's not, I'm going to do it over again. I will look at your deed to make sure that the deed says what you want it to say and that the documents that we are preparing for you will result in the transfer of your property in the way that you want, okay? And, of course, if you're interested in a trust, give us a call at 240-638-2828. We will send you the client information form for you to fill out and return, and we'll have a consultation and talk about how to get started with your, your, your document production. If you have someone or property that, where somebody has already died, we will send you the probate information form, and then we'll do what we have to do to try and help you to get it resolved, okay? You've been listening to Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. I have a podcast. Go to the podcast. We're posting the shows as quickly as we can right after they're being done. So go to the podcast. It's the same name, Law Talk with Ethel Mitchell. It's on Spotify. Um, Apple Podcasts and all of the other Google podcasting platforms. Go there. You can listen anytime, 24-7. Tell your friends and take advantage and use this information. You know, don't just listen. Actually call us and get it done or call an estate planning lawyer, somebody who is legally uh, trained to do this and get it done and then it's done. You don't have to worry about it, okay? It's been a pleasure, as always, talking to you every week. We'll be back on next week. Have a good day, and uh, stay safe. Stay safe.